All right, everybody, we are here with a very good friend of mine and also a very close neighbor, just a stone's throw away from me, a wonderful person, a leader in the sales community, and someone I'm very excited to have on here today. His name is Ken Pelham. He is a manager at Salesforce.com in Irvine, California, and he's got an amazing story. Ken, thanks for taking the quick trip over from your house down to the... Uh, the old recording studio here. Welcome. Yeah, appreciate it, Phil. Thanks for having me. Um, I appreciate all the kind words there. I don't know that anyone's ever had that to, to say about me as an intro, so um, appreciate it and, and happy to be here. Ken, you know, you have an amazing story and with you, I really want to focus on the sales industry and hustle and knowledge. I know you're a big um, salesperson, you're a big reader and why don't you jump in and for those of us who don't know you tell us you know about ken and um your story getting here to california and then the big show at salesforce yeah happy to um first just want to say you know what an incredible job from gus and matt um you know if i've learned anything in my career it's to raise your hand to go first because you can set the bar and uh, i didn't have the opportunity to do that so i feel like gus really really set the bar high so hopefully uh Hopefully I can meet up to his standards here. So they'll appreciate that. Yeah. <clears throat> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, a little bit uh, about myself. I'm originally from upstate New York, uh, born and raised. I was there till uh, I think I had moved when I was 19. Um, you know, I'd like to say that was all just me looking to get a bit of travel and new experience. Um, but you know, I actually had a really close friend that had moved out to Arizona. Um, and I went to visit him in October. And if you've ever been to Arizona in October, it's the most beautiful place in the world. And sure is. I was duped, right? So I'm, I'm young, dumb, and just looking to have fun. And uh, I move out there, you know, it's right next to ASU. Uh, this guy has plenty of connections and we just had an incredible time, perfect weather, ASU football games. Um, and I was doing online classes at the time. So uh, he needed a roommate and, you know, made the ask, you know, what are you doing back in upstate New York? It's, it's gorgeous here. Um, so I took him up another offer and I thought, you know what, why not? Right. This is kind of one of those opportunities, you know, once in a lifetime. So you came from upstate, you went to Florida and then you went to Arizona. So right now we're in Arizona. So a lot of people think that I actually had a small stay in Arizona before going to Florida. So I'm like a little grasshopper just all yeah, around the states are. here. Yeah. Everyone thinks I graduated from ASU and I feel like they should just give me an honorary degree at this point. <laughs> but no, I, uh, so I moved to Arizona. I was there for like nine months, uh, working to get, you know, residency for in-state tuition and, uh, decided instead to follow my passion, um, for music. And that's when I had moved to Florida, uh, with my little brother to go to school for music business. Um, and he went for audio engineering. So we were there for about a year and it was incredible experience. You know, we graduated in 2009, so not the greatest time, but um, that was when I had moved back to Arizona and shortly Got after it. I had met and that's you why Michelle. you sound so fluid on the mic. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> that audio engineering stuff. Yeah, no, I, you know, I'm the bookworm, right? So I'm the guy always reading and just loves knowledge and my brothers are the fun ones. So, you know, they took the side of the school where they're in the studio, they're recording bands, doing post-production. And I was a little nerd, you know, studying all the books and finance and accounting and royalties. So 
<laughs> I love it. So Matt, if you need any help with the editing, you got Ken here too. It's a little day job. <laughs> yeah, a little side hustle. So I love that. So you you went to Florida, finished college, then you came back to Arizona. Yep. And I remember meeting you. It was pretty hilarious. You were leasing these high-rise, beautiful units kind of close to ASU. You were already hustling in sales early on. And give us that backstory and take us from there. Yeah. Um, so my first sales job ever uh, was with a friend in upstate New York. His parents actually owned a salon. We decided to start our own little car wash business there. Um, from there, it was to a tuxedo shop. Uh, I was actually <laughs> renting tuxedos to folks, you know, getting married and um, did that for a handful of years during high school. So I've always been in sales in one way or another. And when I moved to Arizona after graduation, um, you know, again, tough time in the economy. I landed an interview for a marketing position within property management and quickly uh, made the uh, adjustment to general management within uh, properties. So yeah, I managed a property right next to ASU um, and then graduated to a high rise property, uh, which is where I met you and Michelle. Gotcha. Give us a little bit of backstory on, on property managing that building. Uh, yeah. You <laughs> what know, what could have occurred there <laughs> in all of my professional and probably personal experience. Um, the craziest stories I have are from property management days. Um, you know, people aren't coming down to the office to say, hey, I just love living here. You know, I just wanted to let you know. Um, it's a really difficult job, but, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you get the security report. Some of the stuff you read through, you just, you couldn't even make it up, right? I mean, I could probably write Hollywood stories with some of the stuff I saw. So it was definitely an interesting job, but, uh, yeah, I learned a ton. So, Ken, you, you've done property management. You've done other sales roles. You know, you've been in the business but your big break was at Salesforce. How'd you do it? How'd you get in? Break it down for us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it wasn't easy. So, you know, when I decided to pivot careers uh, from property management and get into tech sales, Salesforce was kind of the end all be all. Um, so first thing was I had my target and I knew what I was going after. And when it was time to interview with Salesforce um, and really figure out how to work it, I did it like a deal. Um, so I did an extensive amount of research online and you know, I read that Salesforce has a lower acceptance rate than Harvard. Um, so that was a little intimidating. That's serious. Um, but one of the, the key things I found in my research was that uh, over 60% of the hires are through referrals. Um, so I got a little creative. I, you know, I reached out to, you know, my account executive at the time because we had, you know, purchased Salesforce at the company I was at. And I said, hey, it's a long shot. You, you know, you don't know me, but I really want a job at Salesforce. And, you know, would you be my referral? Because I don't know anyone. And she was more than pleased to do it. Um, it's just the culture at Salesforce, the Ohana. Um, and that was my opportunity to get in. So I leveraged the research I did that, hey, you know, your best shot is to have a referral. And I didn't have one, so I used the, the person that sold me Salesforce. And what was that? I mean, you guys are operating at that company on the, pretty much the major league level. What was the interview process like, you know, to get hired there? Can you break that down? 
Yeah, it's interesting. So I'm now sitting on the other side of the table, luckily with, uh, with that part of the process, but, um, it can be intimidating. It's definitely a lot. So, you know, it was not easy. Um, when I went through the interview process, there's quite a few stages. Uh, the last stage is essentially a presentation to a panel of people, including vice presidents at Salesforce. And uh, since the Irvine office was, you know, all of four or five people, uh, we didn't have VPs down there. So they flew me up to San Francisco to do this. So wow. there was a lot of anxiety around it. Um, I don't tell many people this, so I'll, I'll tell you here on the story, uh, on, on the it. podcast. Um, I actually got sick before and after my interview just from nerves. It was a more lot. More than this butterflies? Was, oh, so much more than butterflies. This was truly my dream job. Um, and it took everything in me to, to make it happen. And, um, you know, the actual day that the interview happened, I had, again, to this point did so much research, I was prepared. I knew my talk track for this presentation and I decided I don't want any anxiety of, you know, being late or anything to happen. So, um, I was, I was staying at a hotel just down the street from headquarters and I'd never been to this headquarters. And uh, I check out like, I don't know, an hour and a half, two hours early before. And, it, you know, it's only 10 minutes down the road. And I go to check out and the right card is not file that Salesforce provides because luckily, you know, they cover this day. And so a little bit of panic. Right? Even on the interview, is, they cover this day. I like oh, it's it. great. Yeah. Very hospitable. <laughs> so, you know, a little bit of anxiety, but I thought, you know, I plan for this. I have a lot of time in between. We can make this work. So... We connect the dots, it takes about 30 minutes, we make it happen. Get outside, I say, okay, I'm cutting into my two hours here. And uh, I call an Uber and you know it's waiting and waiting and waiting. And I said, I don't have time for this. So um, I cancel the Uber and I flag down a taxi and I get in this taxi and I give him the address. And this guy doesn't say anything. He waits to do a U-turn in the street and I, I don't know any better. He does a U-turn and parks across the street and says, you're here. <laughs> and I laughed. I, I laughed and I said, you got to be kidding me. And I was like, oh, I'm closer than I thought I was. No. So I get out. I, I got all my luggage at this point. I get out and he's like, yeah, the address is right down there. I'm like, oh, it's so weird. It's right next door. So I'm running down this alley with luggage dragging behind me. That always happens when you're in the zone like that. Just oh. the simplest things. So yeah, so now my anxiety level is really peaking, right? I, I had this extra time, but it's getting close now. I run down this, this alleyway. I don't see any sign of Salesforce. I'm thinking it's gotta be some big thing, right? And so I'm going back, flipping back through email and somehow I had mixed up the address to the hotel with the headquarters address. Oh. So now I'm scrambling to find this thing and I only have 15 minutes to get to headquarters now. So I find the address and I go out and I'm panicking. I finally find another cab. I get in, I tell this guy, I'll pay you extra, blow every red light you can. Yeah, baby. This guy gives a good <laughs> laugh as you got it. And just, I mean, just tearing down the street and we pull up to the back of this kind of like alley courtyard. And he looks at me and says, oh, yeah, yeah, it's just straight through there. And I'm thinking, oh, here we go, round two of some weird alley of where someone thinks Salesforce is. So I get out, grab my luggage. I don't have any other choice. I got about five minutes at this point. So I'm booking it down this alley. I don't see anything. And I'm coming to the other side uh, of this and the other street. 
And I'm thinking, this is it. I Tom blew it. My, I, all up to this point, you know, I blew it. My big shot. And just as I'm coming to the other side of the street, I look to the right through these glass doors of this building next to me. And I see the big Salesforce logo in there. And I come running in the door. And as I'm running in, the recruiter sent me an email like, hey, you here yet? Uh, and I was in the elevator probably with a minute to go before that meeting started. So Did you just drop the luggage or you can bring that, oh. that stuff in? Yeah, so I brought it into the meeting and I rolled in as, you know, tried to play it as cool as I possibly could as if I had planned all this mm -hmm. and nothing was wrong. But um, yeah, suffice to say, it was a wild ride getting into that. Uh, luckily enough, I did, you know, well enough and held the nerves together to get through it. Um, was that the gig or was that round three, round four of interviewing? That was probably interview number four, four or five. Um, but that was it. That was the last. Process. Yeah, it's it's quite a bit. Um, it's all for good reason. But yeah, that was the final stage. Um, I had left and they don't give you any feedback right at that point. They just say, we'll get back to you. So I went, grabbed a bite to eat and headed to BART um, to catch a ride to the airport. And I still remember to this day sitting there. I got the phone call from the recruiter and said, hey, we'd like to offer you the position. Um, and it was a short phone call because I'm, you know, about to get on the BART, and that was the game changer. I mean, I sat down on the BART and, you know, I was trying to calm the anxiety, even the positive nerves. I had this story running round and round in my head that I had just gotten a job offer at Salesforce. Wow. Yeah. That's your that's your breakthrough. That was my breakthrough. So it took, you know, a lot of work, a lot of research. Um, you know, I was certainly dedicated to it. So. Um, I think the passion and the, the curiosity is what led to all that. And like I said, you know, chase the experience, um, but it doesn't come without some uncomfort and some nerves. So it's to be expected. So you went from sales and if you want to dive into sales, you can. But now you guys have been in management for quite a bit. What's uh, the hardest part and the best part of managing? Ooh, best part of managing is seeing people succeed, especially when they have the self-doubt. Um, they have the, you know, imposter feeling of I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not good enough. And you spend some time working with them um, and just supporting their growth. They have it in them. Um, you just need to kind of help them realize that and to see them really challenge themselves in uncomfortable experiences and just uh, find success and grow more than they thought they originally could is really cool. So there's a, there's a lot of tough moments as a manager, but you know, if it's at the end or beginning of a year and you see someone get promoted that you've become close with and worked well with, um, that's a, it's a bittersweet moment. So do you usually give them a little bit of your closing secrets? Do you, cause I know everyone in sales has a different style. Do you, let them develop their own style and then you coach it or do you sometimes try and put your little touch on top of it? Yeah, it's a good question. So for me, uh, one of my biggest drivers is to help account executives on my team find their voice. I want them to feel comfortable making decisions and judgment calls and thinking creatively outside the box to solve a problem. Um, so I always ask for their perspective first before I provide any sort of guidance or suggestion. Um, so yeah, I, I'd say my management style is definitely not applying my tips or tricks. And back to your <laughs> original question of, you know, what's your secret of closing? 
I get I that, that. I get that a lot, from, especially from new hires. And the secret to closing is doing really, really well in the beginning of the sales cycle, right? And for us, that's discovery. So it's not, you know, you see something online that's like 10 tips and tricks to close a deal. Um, you know, I kind of no, laugh sir. when I see yeah, those no, because sir. it's it's the hard work up front and the understanding of what, you know, the customer or the buyer really needs and what they're trying to solve um, that makes it easy to get the deal across. So what do you would say you love more? Selling or managing? Well, I'm lucky enough in my job, I get to do both. There you go. It's a perfect answer. Yeah, it's a perfect blend. Um, Listen, I wouldn't be in management if I didn't love it, right? I mean, I get a dose of it. I get the deals. I get the accounts. But um, like I said, really seeing AEs and, you know, these these folks blossom into their career is really, really uh, rewarding personally for me. So any other favorite you know, favorite deal, whether it was one of your first accounts on the smaller businesses or larger enterprise business. Do you have anything you could share on that? Yeah, I think, you know, as an account executive or even a manager, you know, it's easy to think that the biggest deals are the favorites. And of course they have, you know, a soft spot in my heart. Um, (laughs) Super rewarding. Commission checks are nice. That's great. But um, the memories that are really kind of seared on me are, um, thinking back to when I really got to experience the customer's brand and in B2B technology sales, it doesn't happen often. Um, but you can find creative ways to do it. So I'll give you a little anecdotal story here. Yes, please. Um, I think this, I don't know if it was my first or second year selling, but you know, I went out to visit in Arizona, uh, which was my territory. And I went to visit a customer at 9am and I had a general understanding of what they did. And I always ask, you know, if there's a facility or manufacturing, if I can see it. So they agreed and they brought me back into the warehouse. And this was a company that did uh, training for uh, like police and law enforcement. So they had these important business. Yes. So they had these projector screens. Did they use you as a dummy? We'll get there. Okay. So (laughs) they had these projector screens where they would play footage of reenacted scenes of like a high stakes environment. That's amazing. Okay. And I, and I thought oh, that's interesting. And I see another door. I'm like, well, what's that? And we go back and it's their plant where they adjust firearms to have CO2 and laser technology to engage with the projector screen. So that's epic. here I am, you know, again, pretty fairly young at the time. And I'm thinking I got to get my hands on this. So, I make the bold ask that, hey, is there any way that I can experience this? And they kind of laughed and they're like, you got to feel the product. Yeah. They're like, everyone asked, but you know what? I think the guy is in right now. Let me go chat with him. So long story short, they get me back in the room to experience this. And I didn't just do, you know, the flat projector experience. They actually had this platform. It's like their highest end product. You step up onto a platform. There's 360 degrees of projectors. And after they give you kind of like the gun training, they shut all the lights off and you have no idea what the scene is that's about to come up. Sounds like a ride at Disneyland. You know, I made a comment to them. I said, this feels like Call of Duty, but real life. And I got a chuckle, but immediately followed by, son, this is serious business. I said, you're right. You're right. Um, So anyway, and the projector screen kicks on. And I mean, these guns have the real kickback. And I went through the simulation. Um, I mean, heart rate's going. And the guy says to me, he says, you know, 
the simulation doesn't have any consequences. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. He's like, so we've manufactured a way to do that. No way. And he said, we, can, we sell tasers that go with it that essentially strap onto your hip. And if you don't basically take out the bad guy, if you will, in this scene in time and he shoots back, you will get tased on your hip. So skin contact. That is amazing. I mean, we're talking, it's 9 a.m. right now. I have a taser. He's like, you don't have to do this. And I was like, I'm doing this. <laughs> so he attaches this gigantic taser to my hip and gives me an assault rifle and puts on a new scene. So I don't know what's coming. So boom, lights off. No. And I have an assault rifle. Are these like real weight and everything? Oh, it's a real gun. They just strip out all everything. of the, yeah, the cartridge to have the CO2 for the kick. And then they install the laser tech. I wish they filmed uh, you in this. It w- I mean, I came into that meeting and I felt like I had nine cups of coffee. It was just <laughs> a while. So, you know, back to your point, like the, the deal itself, I mean, those are all great, but it's the experiences that really resonate. Yeah. The things these guys see, geez, we're in the wrong business. It's wild. Okay. Moving into uh, personal growth, which I know, I mean, we're always chit-chatting is a huge thing for you. Actually, when we walked in here, we were talking about Mark Cuban Yep. and you were telling me he's He's always off mic. He's, I mean, you've heard him speak, no paper. He's just, throw it at me, let's go. Yeah, you know, I tried to do the same thing, but I'm not going to lie. I took a peek at some of the stuff we were going over here. He looked so. at the material. <laughs> yeah, hey, no, I, I was, know you guys prep for your meetings. <laughs> I, I am a huge fan of prep. Um, and to your point, yeah, at Dreamforce one year, the conference that Salesforce hosts, um, we had this intimate session that uh, actually Michelle and I both got into and Mark Cuban was doing a little fireside chat. And the moderator said, you know, everyone keep your fingers crossed. We typically prep for this, go over questions, answers, uh, but Cuban refused. And he likes to do things on the fly and give you kind of the real talk. And uh, it was refreshing. So. Yeah, seriously. He's been on CNBC pretty much every other day here during COVID. Yep. And you can tell he's he's just waiting for them to bring it to him. And he's got a lot to say. So you you guys do you know, work with some seriously high level individuals. I know your CEO, you know, he's, he's directly top with Facebook and Google and heads of industries. And I know there's one person that you've always talked about with me. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things out there, a lot of quote unquote thought leadership to read and to sift through. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're on LinkedIn or just doing a Google search. It's like every corner you turn, um, someone's the expert in something. And I've realized that you really got to figure out, you know, who's your source of truth that, you know, you trust, you believe, and that you want to learn from. And it doesn't have to be one person. I'd say, you know, I have a, a short list of folks, but, um, you know, if I'm ever in question or need guidance on anything or looking for some insight, you know, that's, that's where I'm starting. And Ray Dalio is at the absolute top of that list. Why, why do you think that is? What should we know about him? I know he's a finance leader. Yes, he's, he's known as, you know, one of the most successful hedge fund managers in the world. Um, I mean, at this point, he doesn't even accept any other money. Um, but that's not necessarily why I look up to him. I look up to him because he's so intelligent in so many different arenas. And he has a book called Principles, which is essentially like my Bible. Uh, I've read it multiple times, and it's kind of separated into two books almost in one, right? You have work principles and life principles. 
And I mean, the level of detail that this guy gets into when it comes to neuroscience and how your brain works and what that means for decision making and, you know, things that will affect your life. Um, it's really, really incredible. And Have you started a little book club on that. Uh, we do have a, a book club at work with my team, but I haven't started my own personal one now. No, bring that book to your team. Oh, I, I sell that book to everyone I meet. That That is, uh, I mean, he's got Pass a sales over. guy that he's not paying, basically. I'm like traveling the globe here <laughs> selling his stuff. So You got to meet him. One of my good friends and clients um, got to hear him speak in one of Tony Robbins' traveling groups. And he said the same thing, just brilliant insights on everything. So I'll take a look at that book. Yeah. You know, I actually, uh, again, Salesforce has provided a gazillion opportunities for me. One of which, um, one of the years at Dreamforce, I saw Ray Dalio was speaking and I found out he was doing a book signing after. So <laughs> I on. was that guy standing <laughs> in line. I bought a second copy of the book just cause I wanted to shake his hand and, and get a signature. So that was, uh, did really it happen? Cool. It did happen. Yep. There you go. Yeah. I got the picture on my phone here. I'll show you. It's one thing, you know, like you said, they don't hire as many people as get into Harvard. So it's one thing to get a job there, but it's another thing to be a leader and to be an operator. And you're, you're working there at a very high level. Is there any tips you can give to move up that ladder and the, you know, in an industry and fortune 500 company like that? Yeah. Um, you know, I kind of pinch myself every day and I ask my wife, Annabelle, if this is real and that, you know, I'm now a, a sales leader at, at Salesforce, the company I dreamed to work at. Um, for me, I think what has led to my success and ultimately, you know, others at Salesforce that have um, a really great career path is just a natural curiosity and a certain level of grit. Um, you know, people can come up with sales playbooks and career pathing and all these things to help you and support you, but some of the stuff you just got to figure out on your own. Um, and you got to have thick skin and you got to be willing to like I said, getting those uncomfortable, you know, experiences, um, and you're going to fail mm -hmm. and you got to know that that's okay. And it'll pay off in the long run. And, um, you know, I just kept that persistence and, uh, stayed curious. Yeah. And a multi, multi-billion dollar company. It's almost like you still feel every deal and every transaction matters. I think that's incredible. I mean, I live with someone who works at the company. I see the amount of time and effort. And sometimes I don't understand how you guys have the bandwidth to handle, you know, the, the energy it takes to work at Salesforce. And I mean that in the most positive way, you guys will go on to Dreamforce, which, <laughs> you know, I want you to hit on that. You guys are sure walking into the city of San Francisco with a little chip <laughs> on your shoulder. Hey, we shut the city down. Here we come. And you guys grind there for five or six days, it seems like. Then you come back, you have a couple minutes, and you're jumping on another flight to Denver or wherever you're going, and you're doing on-sites, and you do it over and over and over. And for some reason, you guys keep a positive attitude about it. I mean, you so you got to have some hustle. you got to have some grit. And the culture has to be right or at least you know that this is leading you to just another level of business. So I completely respect the work that you guys do. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, Dreamforce is a lot. You know, you could 
you'd probably be best suited to ask my wife what it's like after Dreamforce. Um, I think she was quoted saying that, you know, essentially I come home and I sleep for three days straight. And I don't come out of bed because it, it's exhausting. Um, it's, <laughs> I don't think I've got the invite yet. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, it's, it's nonstop, um, you know, supporting the customers there, breakfast, lunch, dinner, after parties, meetings um, for five days straight. And then it's just, it's a crash after that. But yeah, the job's super exciting. Our customers, um, you know, are nothing short of brilliant with the things that they're doing. And we get to learn from them, um, which is really cool and really exciting. And you kind of forget, you know, that there might be a little bit of uh, exhaustion there. So, yeah, it's funny. We were talking before and I said, gosh, have I come to a Dreamforce? And we figured out, no, I haven't. And I said, well, last time I was with you guys in San Francisco, it was for a day but the city was still halfway shut down for you. We walked into a dinner and it was it was a Salesforce bar takeover. And the next one we went to was the same thing. It's, I mean, you guys are running that city and you're running every market. It's just so wild to see. And I mean, for people who don't know, you guys do it big. The events you throw, I mean, give us a little background on who's performed at that, at that event. Yeah, that's a good question. So I have seen, let's see, in the years that I've gone, uh, Bruno Mars, U2, Metallica, Foo Fighters, and there's a there's it's a like a few legends. Yeah, there's a handful of others that yeah the the acts do not disappoint at Salesforce. <laughs> Jeez, I gotta, Michelle, can I get an invite next year? <laughs> if on. not, I'll, I'll take you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know she says she's like, I wouldn't even be able to see you if you were in town. Yeah. So I got to say, you guys are doing big things. Um, thanks for sharing that experience. And for anyone who, you know, is looking to jump to that, you know, Fortune 500 level type company, can they reach out to you? Are they able to chat with you and, you know, pick your brain on what it takes to make those type of leaps, especially coming from someone who did it with, you know, without any connection or future i mean i guess experience in that type of business yeah yeah i'd welcome anyone to to reach out to me um happy to chat through that like i said i didn't come from a, a perfect background fit for you know being where i'm at now and um i've relied on people to help me along the way so i'm i'm happy to to help anyone that i can cut their teeth with you buddy yeah exactly where where can we find you instagram all that good stuff yeah, you know, I have... Are you a good I follow? Ha- I listen, don't I have all the social accounts, uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I don't, I'm not on them much. Um, I mean, it's just extremely just busy. I, the the social account that I'm on the most is LinkedIn. Um, Let's get the way LinkedIn. others use social media or, or use uh, Instagram or Twitter or TikTok or whatever they're on, um, LinkedIn's my go-to, right? So on default, without thinking about it, I already have LinkedIn open and scrolling through and um, that's so, good to know. Yeah. Someone who manager at Salesforce that you're always on LinkedIn. If you send me a LinkedIn message, I'll, I'll reply. You're going to have a few pending connections. Oh yeah. Got, <laughs> got a few in there. <laughs> and it's just Ken Pelham. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ken, for coming. It's been fun to chat with you. Um, it's been a good experience and I wish you all the best and, you know, moving forward with Salesforce and on to the future of probably running your next fortune 500 i appreciate it buddy looking forward to it um thank you for having me on the show here 
Um, you know, like you said, if there's anyone out there that is looking for kind of their break and, you know, Salesforce might be the right path, um, reach out to me and I'm, I'm happy to help. Yes, sir.